Hello and welcome to this message from Totnes United Free Church. We pray that as you listen, God will speak to you. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Fraser, for who he is, and that we get to learn from him. Lord, I pray that as Fraser speaks, that we would hear what you have to say to us. And I pray he'd know tremendous freedom in the spirit as he shares with us. Amen. Well, it's so good to meet together, isn't it? So good to spend time together and uh, to worship, to learn together, to fellowship together, to spend time in God's presence. The message that we're bringing over these weeks is entitled Catch the Wind. And today's talk is entitled Raising Our Sails. And it's based on a prophetic word that Pauline had and I'm going to invite her to come and share that with us again. When we were meeting um, and praying, um, God gave me this picture, and it was of a boat, and the boat was us. We were all in the boat, and the boat had a sail, but it wasn't hoisted, and we were just drifting around. And... God said that we need to raise the sail. This is the time to hoist the sail. And then we would catch the wind of the Spirit for the adventures and the experiences he has for us in this season. And the, the sails, the raising of the sails, represented our faith rising. Brilliant. Thank you. And we believe that God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. He speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. He speaks to us sometimes in dreams and visions, sometimes in prophetic words and pictures. And that's one that uh, has meant a lot to us, and we believe that God has much to say to us through it. <clears throat> so it's all about a sailing boat, and I want to start with a personal sailing story. Uh, I know there are a number of sailors here, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, I learned to sail when I was working as a youth worker in London. The borough of Haringey had a very well-equipped sail training centre. You might not imagine that um, inner London had much opportunity to sail, but in fact, there was a, an extraordinarily well-equipped sailing centre in Lee Valley. Um, as an aside, uh, I learned to sail on wayfarers and they are a class of boat designed by Sarah Proctor's grandfather, uh, Ian Proctor, and uh, probably the, the most widely used training boat for sailing. That's just a little aside, but it's a, a local connection. Um, I very quickly discovered that learning to sail was not going to be a classroom experience. Yes, we were taught about wind direction and sails and boat management and rope work and all sorts of very interesting things. But nothing could beat raising the sails and heading out across this vast reservoir. And yes, capsizing and learning how to right the boat and bail out and start all over again. It was exhilarating. Now, it's stating the obvious, but you don't get into a sailing boat 
to admire the fine set of sails in your kit bag, or to just enjoy the scenery and the fresh air, or to stay tied up to the pontoon while you have a very good chat with your crewmates. No, a sailing boat is for sailing, and it's time to set sail. Aid unpacked this analogy, this picture, last week as he talked about the wind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, just like the physical wind, is always moving. The Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Spirit moves us and leads us and enables us to go forward in our Christian lives. God does this work in our lives by the Holy Spirit. But we've got to want it and we've got to receive it. And it's there that raising the sails is crucial. There may be a strong wind of the Spirit blowing, but unless our faith sails are raised, we'll not be going anywhere. We'll just be staying put. So if this is all about raising our faith sails, we need to decide, first of all, what faith is all about. So today's question is this. What is faith? Okay, you've just got a minute or so with maybe somebody who's sitting near you to see if you can come up with a definition of faith, but it's got to have no more than 10 words. Okay, I don't want a long theological discourse. You've only got 10 words to attempt to describe what faith is. Go. Okay. Let's go for it. Um, okay. I should be counting your words very carefully. Okay. Any volunteers? Okay. One at a time. Trust. Oh, that's very succinct. Yeah. Okay. Belief when everything else seems impossible. I like that. That's brilliant. Okay. Trusting in what Jesus has done for us and what he's doing for us. Morris. Belief in something you cannot see. Very good. Is that it? Okay. Yes, Rose. Everything rests upon it. It's the foundation. I like that. Thank you. Okay. I looked up faith in my dictionary, and amongst other definitions, it said this, confidence and trust in God, Chambers Dictionary. That's a good one. You got another one? Life dependent on the faithfulness of God. Okay, here's, here's a couple more that I jotted down. Faith is believing God and trusting in his promises. Faith is a gift of God to all who will receive it. Faith is a relationship with Jesus that helps us become like him. 
And faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. Yeah. Here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Which links in with what you brought, Morris. And many of you will be familiar with this one. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you want to please God? You need faith. Um, the writer to the Hebrews continues, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And it's as if the writer is saying, yes, it's important to believe, to believe that God exists, but now hoist those sails. Sincerely seek him, actively trust in him and his promises. Faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. And that's what I'd like us to do today um, as we raise our sails. I want us to claim three promises. And the first one is this, promise number one, I will come in. I love that picture that Jeanne brought to us of Jesus sitting down on a sofa and inviting us to sit with him. It's a picture of, of intimacy, of friendship, of trust, uh, a, a, a picture that is, yes, so homely, but so, uh, so personal. And... This is the promise of Jesus in Revelation 3.20. Familiar words to many of us. The words of Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Here's an invitation from Jesus. It's where our faith journey begins. If you've not yet taken that step of faith, then know that Jesus is standing at the door of your life and he's waiting for you to invite him in. He will never force open the door. It takes courage, it takes faith to say yes. Only you can respond to his voice and welcome him in. And when you do, he promises to share a meal. That's a picture of the most intimate and ongoing relationship of love. So we sometimes sing, Jesus, be the center. We're inviting Jesus right into the center, to the heart of our lives, to those very personal, those very intimate, those, those very special places right in the center of our lives. Take Jesus at his word. It's the first raising of those faith sails. And if you've yet to open the door of your life to Jesus, then don't leave church today without praying with a member of our prayer team and ensuring that you have invited Jesus into your life. We have an Alpha course starting in our home 
on Tuesday evening, and it's an opportunity for people to explore the Christian faith and to grow in their Christian faith. And uh, if you've not yet accepted an invitation to come to the Alpha course, uh, then I've got a few invites here today. And one of the interesting things, of course, about Alpha is that a session very early on is entitled, How Can I Have Faith? Let's invite Jesus right into the center of our lives. He says, I will come in. But for those of you who are sitting there thinking, well, yes, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus into my life uh, a while ago, um, maybe many years ago, you'll see from the context in Revelation chapter 3 that these words were addressed to the church in Laodicea. And they're actually words of rebuke spoken in love. You are neither hot nor cold, says Jesus. Because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. It's a shocking indictment. Uh, I once preached on this letter here and entitled my talk, Lukewarm Laodicea, Tepid Totness, God challenges us to a new, radical, wholehearted faith relationship with Jesus. He invites us to take up our cross daily and follow him. He longs to see those sails raised and catching the wind of the Spirit, rather than just remaining furled or flapping uselessly. I came across this piece of writing by Simon Guillebeau, and uh, I want to read an extract from it this morning. It's entitled, Adventure or Safety? Life has become so dull and safe for many of us. Risks, we are warned, should be avoided at all costs. Safety seems to have become the highest goal, and the worship of safety emasculates creativity and life. It seems that we can end up with our highest aspiration being to arrive safely at death. In a scenario of such suffocating dreariness, can we realistically hope for anything better? And he goes on to quote one writer who splits us into two groups. There are those who like to say yes, and there are those who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have. Those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Saying yes to God's call on your life doesn't mean selling everything you have and moving to Africa. But what it absolutely does involve is a willingness to step out of your comfort zone. There's the challenge. And he challenges us, why don't you try to spend a few minutes today with God to think about how or where he might be wanting to 
journey with you. Maybe your current circumstances prohibit radical changes. Maybe God just wants to tweak areas of your life rather than engage in whole-scale transformation. Seek him about it. Lord, help me to say yes rather than no to your call for my life, wherever that leads. Amen. And Simon Gilbo has this quote from André Guide, which is particularly relevant for us today. One does not discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore. I like that one. It reminds me of um, the often quoted saying, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. But the wonderful thing is, if you're worried about taking risks, Jesus journeys with us. So promise number one is this, I will come in. That's the promise of Jesus, a promise that we're going to claim today. I will come in. Promise number two, I am with you always. These are the final verses of Matthew's gospel. If you remember anything about Matthew's gospel, you may remember that it starts with uh, the description of Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. But interestingly, ends with this promise of Jesus. Here's the context. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love that description of the 11 disciples who meet with the risen, risen Jesus. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That tells me that it's okay to doubt. Jesus commissions them to go, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, and he promises them that as they do this, he will be with them day after day after day, always. Ask any group of Christians to name a promise that means a lot to them. And many, many of us will choose this one or similar promises in the Bible where God assures us that he will never leave us. He promises his presence. The vision statement of our church is based on this command of Jesus, going with the good news and growing followers of Jesus. You'll notice it's only 10 words, 
So it's succinct, it's memorable, and I shall be checking to see if you've remembered it later on. Okay, going with the good news and growing followers of Jesus. With this command of Jesus to go and make disciples, there comes a promise. I am with you always. We can know the presence of the resurrected Jesus. Do you believe this? Yes. We can know the promise of the and the presence of the resurrected Jesus. Faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. Daring to believe that as we go with the good news, as we grow followers of Jesus, he will be with us. So raise your faith sails today. To those who believe and obey Jesus' command to go and make disciples, he promises, I am with you always. It's an amazing, it's a reassuring, it's a wonderful promise. Holly and I have proved the truth of that promise over many years. And as a church too, we have proved the faithfulness of God. So I'd like to just tell you a little story. Welcome and come on in. There's plenty of seats in the front row. And I always think sitting in the front row is the place to be because you get the full impact of the message. Okay, there's no excuse for not remembering. Promise number one. Promise number one. Promise number two. Thank you. Okay. Promise number one, I will come in. Promise number two, I am with you always. So here's a story, a true one. In the spring of 1999, we were facing some very real challenges. Our church pastor had left and He'd left some time before, in fact, some 18 months before, and there was no prospect of finding a replacement. And personally, we were struggling as well. Just a year or so earlier, our son Daniel had gone missing, and we were grieving, and we were desperate for news of his whereabouts. I had previously been part of a small church leadership team but I'd taken a year or so out from any sort of leadership. And I'd said, I am not going anywhere. I am not doing anything. I am not making any decisions. I am not making any changes until I know, <clears throat> I know where Daniel is. So that was the sort of the scenario. The church was struggling we personally were struggling. And as a church leadership team, we met for a day's retreat at Lustley Baptist Church. It's a delightful little chapel right on the edge of 
the more at Lustley. Uh, that was Polly and me and three others. And we invited our dear friends, Robin and Celia Talbot, to lead the day. Robin is a great man of faith, as many of us know. And true to form, he brought a word from the Lord about pastoring the flock. But during the afternoon, he had a particular prophetic word for me. It was a picture of a boat, another boat. This one was becalmed, and it was needing someone at the helm. And Robin was using this to call me out of my self-imposed exile to leave the church leadership team and to set sail. Despite our, our grief and our loss and our fragility, Polly and I knew that the Lord was saying to us, I am with you always. And it wasn't long afterwards that I was called to resign my job and to pastor the church. It was a call from the church membership, but it was, it was very definitely a call of God. Uh, and I did that for 15 years. And I often say um, those were the best years, the most rewarding years of my working life. Pastoring this church, as Aid will tell you, is not without its challenges. Plenty of them around. Um, but through it all, I knew that God was with me. He says, I am with you always. My faith sails had to be regularly reset. So promise number one, I Promise number two, I am with you always. Promise number three, you will receive power. A quote from the beginning of Acts. I'd like to read it to you. Luke is writing here. He's, uh, if you like, continuing his gospel. And he's writing to um, a friend of his, Theophilus. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. We read those just now. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. And the Greek word used there is the word dunamis, from which we get the English word dynamite. So here they are again, uh, this motley bunch of apostles. Uh, we learned last week that uh, apostle means sent one. They probably did not feel like sent ones. Most of them had gone into hiding when Jesus was crucified. Peter had denied knowing him. And now they are living with the astonishing fact that Jesus is alive and that they will be charged with telling everyone the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Jesus promises them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He says, you're not going to do this in your own strength. You've got a supernatural resource. If you read the book of Acts, you will discover how the Holy Spirit was poured out, transforming these ordinary men, growing their faith, enabling them to preach and teach and heal as they daily experienced God's presence and God's power. I love uh, Eugene Peterson's introduction in the message uh, to the book of Acts. Um, this is what he says. The story of uh, Jesus does not end with Jesus. It continues in the lives of those who believe in him. The supernatural does not stop with Jesus. Luke makes it clear that these Christians he wrote about are in on the action of God, God acting in them, God living in them, which also means, of course, in us. Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Literally, go on and on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises us, as, as his followers, the gift of his Holy Spirit. And this is a prayer that we can pray daily. Please fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Please fill me today with your Holy Spirit. And it's a prayer that Jesus will answer. Faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. Promise number one, I will come in. Promise number two, I am with you always. And promise number three, you will receive power. We're going to pray together. And... Uh, I think it'd be good if we stand to pray. It sort of gives us that, that sense of, of very deliberate purposing uh, to invite Jesus into our lives. 
So thank you, those of you who are standing. If you want to stay sitting, that's absolutely fine. But uh, let's pray now and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. Invite the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to raise our faith sails today. You may want to make this your personal prayer. Jesus, I open the door of my life to you now. Please come in. I open my life to you, Holy Spirit. Please fill me. Father God, help me to live in your presence and please you more and more. May I know more of your power and more of your presence in my life. Jesus, I pray that your promises may be realized in my life. May my faith sails be raised to catch the wind of your Spirit. Amen. And if you've made that your prayer this morning, why don't you say, yes, Lord, amen, together. Yes, Lord, amen, amen. Thanks, Fraser. I just love the simplicity of those three things that make, that is enough. It makes all the difference to know that the Lord loves to meet with each of us. We'll come in daily and be with us will remain with us and will empower us. It's all we need, actually. Let's just take a few minutes to be with the Lord. Just let him speak. Somebody shared a picture recently of what they felt this church was like. And they felt it was like a bonfire. And out from the bonfire, sparks were flying out and landing in places, causing, setting fire to other things. And I believe that as we are part of this faith community here, where our faith can be fanned into flame and become red hot, I believe we carry the fire wherever we go. And people can catch the fire. They can catch the spark of your faith. And faith can be ignited in others wherever we go. So let's just take a moment just to linger with God. We're going to sing, or we're going to have a song. We don't have to sing. You can sing if you want to, but we're going to have a time where we just spend with God, allowing God just to raise our faith levels, to cause us to burn brightly for him. Let's do some business with the Lord. Hi, thanks for listening. We would love to welcome you to explore life and faith with us at Totnes United Free Church. If you would like more information about how to get involved, you can find us at totnesunitedfree.com.